Welcome to Too Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. The spring game was this past Saturday, and I had some mixed feelings about it, Robbie. Why don't you give us a cheers? I guess it would be timely for my cheers to be, since we pushed it on here, and a lot of people pushed it, and including Frank Beamer himself, all the new Hokie Club members, I think the stats that have come out put our net additions somewhere around 3,000 new members since the initiative started. The actual dollar value increase in donations this year was pretty staggering. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I recall when they came out and you know the Hokie Cub was, was posting the update on that initiative to try and reach 25,000 new or total members it was pretty pretty big so if any people decided to join and give some funds to vt to help us out uh as a program and help the students then cheers to to those folks as well as those that donate every year and and give a little something when they can cheers Ooh. I also wanted to give a uh, a shout out to a couple of the new reviews we got. We always ask for reviews at the end of the podcast, and since the season ended, we've gotten uh, three new ones from the screen names of Natter Batter, Crankshaft three three three, and K Man seven six. We appreciate the the reviews. All of them were five stars. So thanks again. And if you if anyone else out there wants to write us an iTunes review, we always appreciate it. I had a couple news and notes this week. Uh, the draft is this week, the NFL draft, and it's actually taking place in the town in which I live, in Philadelphia. I'm going to try to head down there on the first night, which is Thursday, uh, and just see what shakes out. Now, Tech won't have anyone taken on that first night, I would highly doubt, but we do have a lot of draft-eligible players, as you're well aware, and guys that left early, and I just want to talk briefly about Bucky Isaiah uh, and Gerard Evans and, and just like where they, they may or may not go. Uh, Bucky will probably be the first guy taken. Uh, Kuiper and McShay over at ESPN both said he'll go in the three to four range. And then Isaiah Ford, who we thought would be in that range, has kind of dropped to the four to six range, which is shocking considering he's leaving school early and all the accolades he had at Tech. I'm a little disappointed with that with that prediction. I mean, fourth round wouldn't be bad, but by the time you're a sixth rounder, you're not guaranteed anything when you get to the team. I was that he plummeted. He didn't do himself any favors at the combine. We already covered that, but that that's not a great result for him. There was also some rumors, and I don't know how much of it was true, that at least a few of the guys that went out got recommendations to stay for another season, which I thought was surprising. But they made their decision. It was what was best for them. I just hope that a team... At this point, given where they are looking, takes a flyer on those guys to try and get them in an earlier round so they can get at least some guaranteed money. I agree. That's it's it's disappointing for Ford and what he did for Tech and now what his prospects look like for the next level in terms of being drafted. We'll see. You know, you can always come off of you know fourth to sixth and even as a free agent and and do something, but it's not great. I would imagine though, whoever does get him. Like say they get him in the fifth round, whatever team he ends up on in training camp, he's going to blow them away and he'll be playing a lot of snaps in the fall. 
I just think it's a circumstance thing. You know, guys who don't fly at the combine, and if you have a couple mistakes like some drops, you're you're just gonna drop in the in the draft order. And this is a this is a uh, stacked class of wide receivers. I was looking at the names, and he's up against like Josh Malone and Juju Smith Schuster and a ton of other big time college stars in that second round, third round, fourth round range. There's just so many good guys that one little slip up, which he had, will drop you. Unfortunately. The other two guys that will most likely be drafted are Sam Rogers and, of course, Gerard Evans. And I, I guess we'll talk about Sam real quick first because uh, I want to spend a little bit more time on Evans. Sam is pegged to go between the fifth and the seventh round, which I think is pretty much right on considering his skills and um, uh, skin color for the position that he plays. Uh <laughs> as a uh, non-PC as that is, but Sam can do a lot of things. And he's obviously another guy that I think once he gets to training camp, he'll impress whatever team he gets on. It's just that his physical traits, the same reasons he was a walk on in college are going to maybe prevent him from going higher in this draft. Uh, I, I hope, I hope he gets drafted. I, I don't think that he'll slip out of the entire thing, but it's the the issue that we've talked about before is like, what's he going to play? Like, what is he going to do for a team? It's so up in the air and it depends on one team falling in love with him because they know they have a role for him. Yeah. If it's already hard enough to get drafted in the NFL, which is extremely difficult, it's even harder when there's only a limited pool of teams that could utilize your skill set. So he's at a twice the disadvantage given what he did in, in college and what position he fell into. So in terms of Gerard Evans, he again is projected like Sam to go in the fifth to seventh round. I think that could go a little higher or he could go completely undrafted. The thing about the quarterback class, and if you've been paying attention to any draft coverage, everyone seems to be undecided on the quarterback order when they'll go, who's actually the best quarterback in the class. And I've got the list here in terms of the ranks, and this is a consensus ranking, essentially. It's Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes, and Kaiser. And those are your top four guys. After that, you've got a group of Brad Kaya, Nathan Peterman from Pitt, uh, Gerard Evans, Davis Webb from Cal, Joshua Dobbs, and Chad Kelly. And that's six guys after those top four. And I think they could all go in any order. I, I would expect Dobbs and Kelly to be a little bit later, but you could see Evans as the fifth quarterback taken ahead of Kai and ahead of Peterman. But Peterman had a really strong senior bowl. So he's been moving up. Kai has been hyped since his freshman year. So people know about him well. Uh, but I've seen Evans as high as the fifth ranked quarterback and as low as the 10th ranked quarterback. So I believe he'll get drafted. It kind of depends on how quickly those top guys go. It's always that kind of thing. If if three guys go in the top 10 or 15 picks, then all the other quarterbacks are going to start moving up in picks because people feel like they have to take them. Yeah, I just hope he gets drafted. And, you know, Information has slowly leaked ever since he announced about why he ended up going to the NFL. And... It sounds as though if situations were different, maybe personally or you know, in his life, he probably would have stuck around for that extra year, which everybody says that he would have benefited from. So it, it, I've seen a heavy momentum of people saying that he could well go undrafted. I don't think that's going to happen. I think somebody's going to see the skill set there, see his numbers and get excited about him. But there's a 
there's a he is a work in progress in a lot of ways. So you got to find the right coach that thinks that they can make that happen. I know that we're very biased. I just think it's it's easier to fall in love with Evans and his skills than a Peterman or a Dobbs. I just feel like Evans showed more as a quarterback. Um, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I, I can't. I can't really give an unbiased opinion. But when I'm looking, like there's other guys like Trevor Knight and C.J. Beathard out there as names, and you would think that one team would fall in love with Evans before they're going to fall in love with one of those guys. And at least eight quarterbacks are going to get taken. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. We may have a biased opinion, but we also played what I'm going through it in my head. Five of those quarterbacks of the did, top yeah. 10, um, three that of the four that are anticipated that could go number one off the board. Uh, and so I think we got a healthier look at it than maybe some other people. And it's funny too, because head to head Evans outplayed Trubisky outplayed Kaya outplayed Peterman. He didn't outplay Deshaun Watson, but he acquitted himself well. It's uh, it's it's pretty amazing that I don't think we don't hear a little bit more about him. I think it's just because of the limited tape. Like Trubisky, he only played one season. I'm not sure why Trubisky is, is going to be the first quarterback taken, or that's what everyone's talking about, but it's just where we are, I suppose. All right, the next news item I had was the ACC Championship game is back in Charlotte. You hinted about it before. I think in our last podcast, but it's official now, which is great for Hokie fans. Kind of got screwed last year with it being moved. I know there's some political reasons why it was moved to Orlando, but it really hurt the attendance for us. I know probably more than any other school because we're only three hours from Charlotte. But that's great news for me. I know if we make it, I'll likely try and go. I went to the Belk Bowl last year in Charlotte, had a great time. So that's just a nice, nice thing for Hokie fans. The next thing I had was we got a couple new commits. One was Joe Kane, a 6'3 defensive tackle from North Carolina. He's a three-star on 247. And we also had a wide receiver transfer commitment from Damon Hazelton from Ball State. And from what I saw, he had a really good freshman year at Ball State. Yeah, 505 yards, four TDs as a true freshman. That's not a joke, even even though you know the competition he's going up against is a little bit different than what he's going to face when he's at Virginia Tech. But he has to sit out a year, my understanding, NCAA eligibility rules. And then he'll have three years, I believe, um, after the sitting out of one. And then I watched the tape on Kane. Nothing really stood out in particular from that in his huddle film. I did think it was interesting that he's coming out of Wake Forest in North Carolina. And our big initiative to start pulling recruits from that area seems to be getting some legs underneath it. But he seems to be able to get off blocks well. He's not the fastest guy in the the entire world, but I think he could be a, a value add for, for Virginia Tech. I I liked Hazleton's uh, videos that I saw. I, I was impressed. And those numbers for a freshman, 505 yards and 50 receptions, like you said, that's that's really good. I don't care if you're playing in Conference USA or MAC or whatever. Uh, it's not easy to come in and contribute as a true freshman like he did. So. I can't wait till he's eligible for us. I think he's going to be a good player. And the last note I had was we've been chasing this big basketball recruit. We were just talking about it before. His name is MJ Walker. He's a shooting guard from Georgia. And in the last couple of days, we've gotten a bunch of crystal balls on 247 pointing to his 
that he's going to commit to Virginia Tech. Now, this guy is top 25 in the nation on every service. A five-star on ESPN. I think he's a five-star on Rivals. A high four on 247. It would be an incredible get, and it would be in this upcoming 2017 recruiting class, which already has Neil Alexander-Walker, Wabi Sabidi, and I'm blanking on the last guy. But if we added Walker to the class we already have, it's it would definitely be top 10 in the country and maybe even top five. This this would be a huge, huge commitment, and it could happen this week or it might not happen at all, but he's one of the few 2017 class b-ball commits that hasn't picked a school yet. So uh, look out for the MJ Walker commitment. Hopefully it'll be tech uh, at some point in the near future. I just am blown away every day at what Buzz Williams is doing. We're Virginia Tech, the one and done school. That's that's the tagline that we're, we're we want to strive for. <laughs> Imagine if somebody said, "Yeah, Virginia Tech, they're having to deal with one and dones." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if we we haven't had one yet, but MJ Walker could definitely be one with how highly he's rated. And then, I mean, Neil Alexander Walker is already one of the best recruits we've ever gotten, and he's in the same class and plays the same position. So we would be stacked at guard if Walker committed. All right, Robbie, we have to talk some spring game now. Uh, the offense won, if you care. It was 20 <laughs> to 18 was the score. I actually forgot that it was a game for, uh, until I saw like someone posted the score. I'm like, oh, yeah, they were keeping track, kind of. Uh, Hooker, our, our freshman quarterback, threw a touchdown to Dalton Keene. DJ Reed rushed a touchdown in and uh, scoring for the defense. Faison had an interception, and there was a couple sacks and some three and outs and stuff where the defense could get points, but... Really, there were just the two TDs and then a couple field goal kicks from from Joey Sly in terms of the scoring. Did you have any takeaways from the the small video clips we saw or the articles you read or what? Yeah, I think my first going through how I had to absorb it from articles and live tweets, those sorts of things, was the list of injuries or quasi-injuries, anybody with you know, a bruised elbow essentially said, rode the pine in this game. You had Carroll yeah. out, Kamar out, Murphy out, Diablo. I'm trying to think who out. Hill. It was 20, 20 guys overall yeah. from what I saw. Yeah, and that was, I get it. It's a spring game. There's no reason to risk injury in, in that. But it was a little bit disappointing that we didn't get to see some of the faces that I'm pretty excited about. This year as adding to, to, you know, the team. And then I think the biggest surprise, some people thought it was Dalton. I actually thought the Farley and they, you know, it just depends on who you're talking to. Who's he's been playing wide receiver about as long as I've been drinking this beer. And he, (laughs) he, he came out and just, he, I mean, he looked really good. And, and the clips that I saw, everything that I heard from people or saw from people, he looks like that's could be the side of the ball that he's playing on. I don't know if he's going to pull like a Jabril and play both sides. I would venture to guess that if Fuente thinks that he needs him on the O, that he's going to take him. And as much as Bud Foster would probably love to have him as well, it seems like it would go that direction. But I thought that was one of the biggest shocks to see him come out and look so good, even in tough coverage on that one catch that actually Hokie sports put out. He looked very natural in that position and 
his body movement was very similar, a little bit more raw to what made Isaiah Ford so good, which is the ability to use your body to create some space and go up and get the ball. It was exciting. Yeah, I'd say the Caleb Farley hype train has officially left the station after the spring game. People were excited about him just on from the recruiting tape. I know I said I thought he'd be our number one contributor as a true freshman on the on the signing day preview. And then they said he was going to play defense, and I was really disappointed. Well, that lasted up until the third to last practice, and Farley looked awesome in the spring game playing wide receiver for only a few days. I mean, he played in high school, so it's not really quite a fair uh, thing to say he's just been playing for three practices, but not with this team, not with these quarterbacks. So it was amazing, and the speed was on full display. We know that's his – He might like Fuente said he might be the fastest guy on the team. It's his number one asset, but I was amazed, like you said, about the way he could go up and get the, the ball and fighting off you know, number one corners on a very good defensive team. I was impressed as hell with Caleb Farley. I know a lot of other people where you go to any article about our spring game, Farley is in the first couple sentences, I feel like. So that was awesome. You mentioned Keen. I I liked what I saw from him. He's going to play a lot. I think he led the game in catches. Uh, I feel a little bit better about that H-back slash tight end role that him and Cunningham and Colt Pettit are all going to share. Keen will be on the field a lot for sure. But – the number one takeaway I had really was that this quarterback competition is is real. And Bush is involved, but I think it's really going to be Jackson or Hooker. And Hooker, from the number standpoint, was super impressive. Yeah, and the dude stands tall in the pocket and delivers passes on the couple that I saw, which was exciting to see somebody coming in that's this raw and at this level get in there and you know not put his head down and try and figure out where to go but when when he gets a decent pocket with a couple feet of space he stands tall and he can look out into the field and deliver what i thought were some some punchy passes it it, it was impressive to me from you know the limited action i didn't get to see much on on bush but I think it's a real competition i don't think it's for show i don't think it's because uh, unlike televising, not televising your spring game, you don't want people to see something or whatever reason there is for that. But I think I think they're really going to go at it to the wire on this and make a decision probably very late in this offseason. Yeah, uh, I really liked what I read and saw from Hooker. Uh, I think if I know the fan base and I think I do from all the things that we hear and see on Twitter, I feel like the fans are going to want Hooker. Like, I just, they all, everyone seemed to want Lawson, and Lawson never showed nearly what Hooker has shown. Jackson has been steady and good, and he commanded the offense well, and he was against the ones, and that should also be said. Hooker went 10 of 11 for 113 yards and a touchdown. He did have one pick on a bad uh, read. It turns out on that play, uh, Patterson did run the right route, and Hooker actually made the mistake. But Jackson was going against the ones, and Hooker was going against mostly backups. Uh, I think that Hooker, because of his ability to to be a little bit more elusive and faster in the running game, that could give him a leg up in this competition. They both seem to be accurate, 
They both seem to have a confidence about them. When I say both, I mean him and Jackson. I, I know Bush, he, he acquitted himself well also, but I just feel like he's got, you know, backup quarterback written all over him for one of the other two guys. I really think it's going to be Jackson or Hooker. And I mean, if Hooker's, I think Fuente's going to play the best guy. I don't think that, that Jackson's been here a year. I don't think that will factor in, but it is tough to start a true freshman if you don't have to. I think Hooker probably has to clearly look the best. Yeah, I I think that's right. I maybe it makes me a bad psycho fan, uh, but I don't I don't really care who who it is at this point. Only because we have Ellis coming in behind, so that gives <laughs> me a little bit of leeway that. I would love to see Hooker redshirt and then get some experience and then get some, you know, get him in when he's ready and he has kind of the full appreciation for everything that's going on in the offense. But because Ellis is coming in, I feel like that gives us a little bit of wiggle room that if you had to pull the redshirt and you have to get, you know, Hooker in there right away, then do it. Uh, That's in my mind the way I'm thinking about it. But in either case, I think from everything we've seen in the past, everything that we've seen through draft days, we have the most one of the most capable staffs in Fuente and Cornelison down the all the way down to evaluate who's going to be the best on the field. So I don't I don't really care that much because I feel like we're in good hands. And that's and, and you're right. That's what is the most, I guess, comforting thing about this is that whoever it is, because there seems to be a legit competition, they're going to be pretty solid. Uh, they're probably not going to be Gerard Evans. Gerard was a load to bring down. I don't think you're necessarily going to get that from Jackson or Hooker. Bush is a little bit more powerful in that, in the sense of that read option, uh, just you know, pounding it like like Evans had to do a lot last year, but. Hooker has the chance to be so elusive in the open field and, you know, so quick down the sideline if he able, is able to get free that he could break a lot of big plays. So like you, I, you're right. I don't really care who it is. I, I don't. I, I just am happy that we're in a position that whoever wins the job should be pretty good. They're going to be inexperienced and they're going to make mistakes, but they should be better than the the day I felt when, Evan said he was leaving. Let me let me put it that way. Yeah, I thought we would be sitting here biting our nails. And right now, I'm more, interestingly, I'm more concerned about what we're going to be on the field with in terms of wide receiver and the depth, not in terms of top talent, in terms of, you know, what's the three, four, five look like on the wide receiver side than I am at QB. And a month ago, I would have been, probably the complete complete opposite. Yeah, why don't we talk about the uh the wide receivers after a beer break? What are you drinking? So right now I am drinking the Alpha Effect. It's characterized as a hazy IPA. It's from Heavy Seas Brewery. It's actually I like it a lot. It's not um it's not as Hazy is the New England IPAs that are all the rage right now. It's not too hoppy. I think it's pretty well balanced. I think if you generally are okay or like IPAs, you'll find this one pretty intriguing. 
Heavy Seas puts out some some pretty good pretty good beers. They have the Loose Cannon and some of the others. It's out of Baltimore, Maryland. I think I kind of like this. I don't know. It, it was a new beer. I hadn't seen it on the shelf before. I don't know if they're gonna if this is a one time or if they're gonna continue it year round or what the case may be. But it's it's pretty good. There's there's not a distinctive flavor on the malt side, the hop side, a little bit citrusy, not so much. But they definitely, I think, hit it on the head with this one. Nice. I'm uh, drinking the Elysian Day Glow IPA, and Elysian's out of Seattle, Washington. They have several beers that I like. This one I'm not as high on. It's 7.4% alcohol. It's an IPA, and there's nothing spectacular about it. it it's made with mostly mosaic hops, and I, I don't know if it's just me, but every time I have something that's primarily mosaic hops, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan. It's, it's a little bit more bitter than I would like from an IPA, and it is a little higher in volume as well, approaching a double status, so... Maybe that's why I'm not as high on it, but the Elysian Dayglow IPA, it's just all right. That should be their tagline. <laughs> Elysian. I really, that's, yeah, that's not the most ringing endorsement I've ever given. I try to be as positive as possible with a lot of these beers, but I will say this. The label for the Dayglow is very psychedelic. It's got a tiger with lasers coming out of its eyes, so <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, that's kind of why I bought it. I tend to buy beers based on labels sometimes. If I like the brewery and you got a cool label, I'll probably buy your beer. All right, so I said we'd talk about the wide receivers. We mentioned Farley and how impressive he was, and likely I would venture to guess he's going to stick on offense. Fuente hinted at it very slightly, saying, I think I know which way we're going to go on this one, but we got to work it out. Uh, but there was other guys that uh, Pimpleton – um, Patterson looked good. Kuma didn't play, but he was generating a lot of buzz in the spring. Keen obviously is a, is a will be a key pass catcher for us. I'm feeling a lot better about the pass catchers. Uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I I agree. I think that I, I feel I, I feel better in the sense that on the top top guys i don't know what it's going to end up looking we still don't have the depth that we want and you you flash back and we we were talking about diablo and who's going to be a playmaker and that now he switched over to the defensive side so i feel all right about it but for me and not to be a naysayer to what those guys are going to put out on the field this year it's kind of a it's going to be next year type situation on on the wide receivers to have a full crop of really talented five six deep wide receivers that I think Fuente would like to have on that side of of the ball and and I hope to hell that they prove me wrong but I I'm not concerned about it but if we're thinking about this upcoming season and what we could do and we made the ACC championship this past season, so expectations for the fan base in general have risen a bit. I don't, I don't know that we are putting out the level of talent anywhere close to what we had last year. On, on really the top end, maybe we get surprised, or 
the depth I think is starting to get filled out, but it needs a little bit more time. I think the only thing you're really concerned about is experience. I mean, I've already, we obviously have cam and Farley looks like he could be the real deal. I know it's just a, a couple of days, but based on his tape from before and what he did in just a couple of days, he looks like he could be very, very good. Keen looks like he could be very good. Pimbleton has done very well since he's been on campus. Patterson is the guy they pegged. Kuma has been a guy that has been impressive. And Cunningham is obviously a solid player as well. That's a lot of pass catchers. I, I, I know that like virtually none of them have played a college snap. So that's that's really where the rub is. I think we could have a lot of depth. It's just that none of them have shown us anything. We also have that transfer coming in from Ohio State, which a lot of people think he's going to end up in the slot. There could be a lot of depth. You just need all of them to emerge all at once, and that's, I guess, unlikely, but I'm feeling better about it. Well, you need them all to emerge at once, and you need the mesh, right? So let's flash back to last year. So we had Gerard Evans coming in, and our concern was – Oh, we have a brand new quarterback and he's got to get up to speed on the system and it's a brand new system for everybody. But you did have three experienced wide receivers. And what happened at the end of the year, you know, but they those three wide receivers and Bucky wasn't even a tight end at, by the end of the middle of the season. Yeah. Now you're breaking in a new quarterback and some young guys at wide receiver for starting roles. That's my, I guess my takeaway from this is I hope I'm pleasantly surprised, but it's not just one thing that you're trying to make sure that you have locked down, which last, last year was making sure Gerard was in tune with what Bucky and Ford and, and, um, uh, Cam Phillips were going to do, but now you have you have both both sides. Uh, you know, it's the it's the QB and the wide receivers. There's a lot of variables. You know, you have to hope that Hooker or Jackson, we don't know who the quarterback is, can can jive with six of these guys. So we'll we'll see. But there's at the very least a lot of encouragement in that department to finish off the offense. Uh, I would say the offensive line looked. A little shaky. Our left side of the line we know is set with uh, Nijman and Teller. And we thought center was pretty much set with Gallo and hopefully improving on last year. But French just wrote an article about how the O-line performed in the spring game and, and just his general musings on the offensive line from the spring. And uh, he is not impressed with Gallo's athleticism. He mentioned it several times in the article. And even kind of said that there could be some competition there. Like, will will Chung, you know, step up and maybe resume his center duties, even though he had, like, kind of big snapping problems at the beginning of last year? Or will Hoyt or Cannon as freshmen step up and challenge Gallo at center? And obviously, we have the other new positions on the right side of the line, uh, Braxton Pfaff and Tyrell Smith playing guard and tackle, respectively. Seems as if Tyrell Smith is going to be the right tackle. But Faf is leaving the door open for Osterlaw to come back and take his job or maybe Kung, uh, Chung to take his job. So there's definitely some flux going on the offensive line. Yeah, we. I think the pass protection should be okay. The real question mark for 
that that line is can we open up some holes for the run and it's not easy going up against settle and so that's probably a that's probably a good display of what we could see in talent from other teams that guy's a monster but right. we we need to find some sort of a running game and it's it's really been bad i mean let's just call it what it is we that's that's been our bread and butter for for so many years and we're struggling to get that piece together. I understand that may not be all of what Fuente's offense is about, but it has been a part of Virginia tech football that we taken some pride in and right now is struggling. So my primary concern with the O-line is whether or not they're going to be able to open up some holes for the run game. Because if we get one dimensional with a new quarterback and some wide receivers that are still trying to, you know, get their feet wet, then that could be problematic. Yeah. We relied so much on Evans last year running the football you would hope that that doesn't have to be the case again with a veteran McMillan and Stephen Peoples coming over to running back and and Wheatley and DJ Reed looking like he might be able to step up now. Uh, but we just if the holes aren't there, the running backs can't run through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so we need we need something better from the center and right guard positions, and that's that's going to have to happen this year. And and Teller, you know, he's. He'll miss an assignment, or he'll uh, he'll get caught up in in something every now and again too, and make mistakes. the The center of that O line really needs to come together, and you know the lack of the running game was perplexing for us. Like you said, that's what Virginia Tech did forever. We had no offense for so long, but at least we could run the football. Well, it was quite the opposite last year, and it looks like it could be more of the same this year. I'm hoping that when Osterlaw comes back it'll be a little bit more solidified but i and i i'm also hoping that gallo is like a little bit injured he uh french mentioned he looked maybe a a little gimpy uh and if you watch some of the plays i certainly hope it's the case cuz there were some bad ones in there um well if he was gimpy then he would have been part of the 25 that were sitting on the <laughs> pan, on the pine so you would think right <laughs> yeah but uh we were feeling okay about the depth at o line but i still think that's probably a year away from being particularly deep. We just need to find a good chemistry with that O-line this year. We have good players, fill in the right side, and and let's just mash some people because we need to run the football better. <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> it doesn't help going up against Settle, like you said. Mm-hmm. Settle and Walker are going to be great against the run, and that's a good segue to our to our next takeaway. And that's The DL depth is a concern, but... It looks like the line will be very good against the run. It's the pass rush that's going to be the problem. Yeah, the interior of that defensive line, uh, barring anything that I won't mention here, and that could not be good, that as long as that interior is intact, I think we'll be good against the run. The pass rush, I think, could be a challenge. But in the past, you know, Bud's found a way to get get it in and whether it's you know he's moving people around shifting whatever the case may be he always kind of finds a way to work with what he has so i on that side uh, you know on that 
point, I never get that concerned as long as we're not facing the running quarterback. And we may well be in a few games, maybe more than that this year. But that's that's been our Achilles heel. And if we that does happen, we could find ourselves in you know a bit of trouble if you can get somebody that scrambles outside. If they are up the middle type, you know, bruising, I think Walker and Settle can handle that. That's that's my concern is if it's somebody that's a little bit shiftier on the outside and everybody's getting pressed in and we can't move we can't move outside whatsoever because our defensive end depth is um well depth and top end talent is not not great. It's not great. We obviously have Mahota and Trevon Hill, two very good defensive ends out for the spring and they didn't play at all. I would say from the ends that were playing, uh, Xavier Burke uh, seemed like he could play right now and not kill us. You know, mm-hmm. we could he he could get a decent amount of snaps and it wouldn't hurt us too bad. As for Belmar or uh, Raymond Miner, I don't know if I could say the same thing though. Belmar did have a sack in the scrimmage for whatever that's worth. Uh, I think our strength of our linebackers will help that pass rush. I would expect Bud to to send Tremaine Edmonds all over the place and after the quarterback and like multiple times. Cause he's our best chance for a, a decent pass rush next year. Trevon Hill can rush the passer, but Woody Barron did such a good job of that from the inside last year. I'm not sure if we're going to have anyone that can do what, what Barron could do, but those linebackers, man, I I'm more and more excited every time I hear something. First of all, it's one of the only position groups where, the two starters were playing the entire spring. So that's nice. And Motuapuaka and, and Tremaine Edmonds, but Dion Newsom, who, who moved down from safety, he earned a lot of nice accolades from Bud Foster and really wants to play. And, and seems like he could even push Mook and Mook was sensational last year. And that could be lip service, but uh, they're saying Newsom's coverage skills are really good for that whip linebacker position. And, you have Chagog, that's kind of a bandit linebacker uh, between backer and, and whip. Uh, it's just a really solid group across the board, and that should really help back up that uh, defensive line that, that needs a little bit of help. Yeah, I, I agree, and I think I am becoming much more excited. I know you were, and when we started doing the preview, excited about the linebackers. I think I'm starting to get there, but... That that position and the dynamic between them and the defensive ends is going to be extremely important. And when they're whether or not Motua Puaka could take the next step this year, and the biggest ding on him overall has always been filling gaps, not being hesitant. You know, just having that I you know not an IQ but that instinct to just get into the right place and where the ball's going. And I think he can do it. His development from year one to year two, now year two to year three, I think it's it's possible. So I think the linebackers are going to be exciting. I think if if Faison can avoid a twenty five pass interference penalties, then <laughs> I I also like the secondary. I I think there's an athletic group back there. I it could be exciting. It feels like we have. People that can at least a couple people that could be in a couple different spots if we run into injury issues. 
I, I like that group as as well as I did when I, you know, we first did the kind of preview of where people were going to be kind of filling in. Yeah, I think the secondary starters are legit. Obviously, Faison did have the, the PI calls. He also had the interception. I mm-hmm. think that was him anyway. Yep. And Adonis had two big pass breakups in the scrimmage and two interceptions in the open scrimmage. So Adonis is looking as as good as he's ever looked as well. We didn't even get to see Strom in the spring, so when he comes back, he was great last year for us when he played. the uh, The starting corners and safeties should be should be really good. Uh, once you go to the backups, I'm not I'm not as sure on that that aspect, but the the back seven of our defense could be really good. And I didn't even uh, get a chance to mention Devontae Beckett, who had some thumping hits playing uh, backup Mike in the scrimmage. Him and Rivers could really have a competition at Mike going forward after Motua Puaka leaves us next year. Uh, That was encouraging as hell, too. So the defense as a whole I do think will be better than last year as it goes on. It's just that we need to make sure Mahota and Trevon Hill are healthy because if they're not, it could could be big-time problems. So, Pete, what are you having over there? I'm having the Tropical Torpedo by Sierra Nevada. And I think Torpedo is one of their regular IPAs, but this is the tropical version. Uh, I suppose it's got a little bit more of the uh, juicy hop flavor. Like it says it's it's got a lush aroma of mango, papaya, and passion fruit with every sip. I wouldn't say I'm getting all of that. It's not exactly like I'm drinking, drinking a, a rum runner here. But it's it's all right. It's obviously Sierra Nevada comes out of Chico, California. They have another. Uh, they brew a lot in in North Carolina as well, Mills River, North Carolina. But the torpedo's okay. I prefer Sierra Nevada's just straight up pale ale. I was expecting more from this tropical torpedo. It's it's uh, it's disappointed me just a little bit. Not as good as our last episode with the beers on my end. What are you having? So I went with a uh, limited release. So once this comes out, run to the stores, I guess. But it's the Ballast Point. So Ballast Point has the Sculpin, which I think if you're into IPAs or even on the borderline and just like, you know, a pale ale is one of the best beers out there that kind of suits most different types of, you know, palettes and what people like. And Ballast Point went out and did, I think it started about three, four weeks ago, started doing a limited release of the unfiltered Sculpin. And they're out of San Diego, as most people know that listen to this. It's it's delicious. I've bought probably a couple too many six-packs of this since it came out in, in fear that it's going to go away. But... If you take the normal ballast point and it's a little bit more on the fruity flavor and you add a little kind of cloudiness and darkness to it that you get from the unfiltered IPAs and that kind of rests on your, you know, rests in the flavor kind of sits with you a little bit longer. Um, This is it. It's the unfiltered Sculpin, the regular Sculpin, but they uh, did a limited release for it. You can find it pretty much in any beer store um, that sells predominantly beer. You might not be able to find it at a grocery store. I love it. It's it's delicious, and I'm going to be sad when it goes away. 
The original Sculpin is obviously a fantastic beer, so I'm sure that's pretty good. We kind of already talked about the thing I wanted to get into next, and that was what are you feeling better about or worse about? And I think we could probably both agree that prior to the spring game, I was feeling okay about the offensive line, and afterwards I'm feeling less okay. As far as what you feel better about, uh, what position group are you feeling better about after the spring game from from what your mindset was before? QB, definitely, but we hit that on the head multiple times, so I feel a lot better about the quarterback situation. I think as much as I may have been negative on this, I feel better about the wide receiver position uh, at the at the top end um, with Farley coming in and showing what he can do. And the fact that even in the spring game, you know, it was, they showed well. And that was with some people out of the game that, that, that weren't playing that like a CJ Carroll, that I think could contribute this year. I feel like you mentioned probably worse about the offensive line. And I feel even better. I think over time I've become even more excited about the the linebackers. And maybe that's just because I'm paying more attention to it since you brought it up and it came up during the, the spring game. But those are probably the the three positions, two good and one worse that I would think in the um, that I have in, in my mind. I agree on all counts, so I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to go any more into it, but I will say that once we get the injection of Dylan Rivers and Devin Hunter into those two position groups that are already looking really good, the future is bright. I'm I'm real excited about it. Some random stuff. Our kicker, Joey Sly, in addition to raising a lot of money for, uh, I think it's leukemia, he had a 58-yarder and a 49-yarder in the game and 58, I think, would be his career long if that if that were to stick. I mean, it's that's really, really far. Uh, and the punter, Oscar Bradburn, he averaged almost 46 yards per punt on the day, pinned the ball inside the 20 a couple times, and had another one that rolled into the end zone, which better coverage probably would have been down on the, the five-yard line or so. So I feel good about the kickers. So that's, you know... Hey, when that, we when, got that going for us. When when Beamer went out, I think one of the uh guarantees that Fuente had to make to him was you'll take care of the kicking position. And it seems like we're in good hands at this point. So that was a freaking boot. And that was one of the ones the videos that I could see. And that was a monstrous kick from him at fifty eight. I don't care if it's in practice or otherwise. That's yeah. And he was doing it in front of a, a big time crowd. So I wanted to just ask you about an over-under for this season in terms of points, both offensively and defensively. And I'll start with last year's numbers. The offense last year scored 35 points per game on the nose. We were 33rd in the country. That's pretty damn good considering where we came from under Scott Leffler. I'm going to peg the over-under for points at 30.5 for this upcoming season. This is after hours of research and thought. <laughs> I pegged it at 30.5. So do you think that we will score 31 points per game or more, or do you think that we'll score 30 points or less this upcoming season with a new quarterback, new wide receivers, and no running game? <laughs> and, and no running game. <laughs> so we're ending on a positive note. 
Uh, I'm going to go over 30.5, and I think that um, I think it's going to be a lot due to our back seven on defense and getting the ball back in the offense's hands. Not not as productive as maybe we felt like we were last year on the offense with with Gerard, um, but we get the ball a lot more often because of I have some confidence in that that back seven. Yeah, I, I'm obviously I made the over under, so it's it's uh it's obviously a tough call for me. I'm hopeful that it'll be right around the thirty one mark. Uh because think about the the high amount of points we threw up, which raised that average last year. I mean we scored fifty two on UVA, what was it, forty nine on ECU, uh Boston College was a similar amount of points. I mean we we killed some teams. I don't expect it to be like that this year with those high totals. Pitt's going to have a better defense. Miami's going to have a better defense. Uh, so I would expect the point total to come down. I'll say over, but I, I'm saying like 31. That that's <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. It's going to be like I, I like it. Probably is going to be right around the 30 mark, and that's why the over under is what it is. So defensively, last year we gave up. 22.8 points per game. So 23, essentially. We were 27th in the country. I'm setting the over-under for this upcoming season at 20.5. Over. You think we're going to give up more than... You think we're going to give tw- up 21 points or more in every game? Yeah. Well, we have the WV, WVU game. Last year we had Tennessee. So I'm swapping those in and out. WVU is... On the on the rise, at least from analyst perspectives, as you mentioned to me, so and everything that I've read, and our a lot of a lot of that ends up being three. I mean, three of your twelve games are you know kind of cupcakes, right? So for for this year, if I look at everybody else, we have Clemson at home. Yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going over on that number and it's not for a lack of confidence in in the defense. It's just that I think that will we may have a couple higher point games this year than than we would otherwise and thinking what Miami has and thinking Pitt's offense might be, you know, kind of questionable. I'm going to go over Again, I'd probably agree with you. Although I'd say that the ACC won't be as strong offensively this year. We lost a lot of quarterbacks. But because our offense won't be as good, you know, it could put a little bit more strain on the D. So, yeah, I'd probably say over that 20.5, but I think the D will actually be better, like I said before. I not by a large margin, because we had a very good defense last year. But I do think it would be better. The depth at linebacker and the secondary is better. And as long as we can just figure out a defensive end, I mean, it could be a dominant defense. But 20 points or under is low. It's hard to do. Yeah, Not many teams can pull it off. All right, so with all that said, what is your record prediction? We gave our predictions before. I think you said 9-3. and three. That wasn't a signing day episode. What are you saying your record is now for the 2017 season? I haven't changed. I think I'm still. I should probably drop if I was smart to eight and four, 
and I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with my my concern was as everybody's was the quarterback position, and I feel better about that. So I, I see no reason at this point off of what I had previously to change that. So I'm going with nine and three. I don't care what anybody says. I'm sticking with it. And if anything, I feel better about what's going to end up controlling our games, which is the offense, the, the defense, you say what you will about, you know, up years, down years, but all of our years are still pretty decent on the defensive side of the ball. So my question was always who's going to be under center. And I feel better about that now. We'll see what happens as things shake out. I become increasingly nervous about the West Virginia game. I've done a little bit more research, listened to a few more things about their team, and it's a concern. So if I chalk that up as a loss, it, then I have to basically convince myself that uh, that one of Duke, Georgia Tech, or Pitt is a win. I'm going to stick with my 8-4. and four. That's what I had before, but I'm going to call West Virginia a loss, Clemson a loss, Miami a loss. Mm. Yeah, Georgia Tech or Pitt, one of those is going to be a loss. So I, I, I don't know. I hope we can pull off the West Virginia game. They've got a lot of good skill talent. They're replacing a lot, and they're bringing in a quarterback in Will Greer who hasn't played in a while. But I am, I don't feel great about that game. I do feel good about the fact that historically we, we've done well against West Virginia. But I don't know. I'm going to stick with my 8-4 and four for now. Stick with it. I feel better. Yeah, I feel better about the offense after, after spring, and I feel neutral about the defense. I, I already felt good about the defense, and I, you know, because there's been so many guys out, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm where I'm at. So I'm not going to bump up to 9-3, and three, but I'm also not going to drop down to 7-6, and six. That's, uh, or 7-5 and five, rather. That um, that seems like too many losses for a team with this much talent. I will say I was hoping to see a little bit more in the run game, but hey, we're we've started to figure it out. So that does give me pause on on my nine and three. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it for now in hopes that we can we can figure things out at least partially on that side of the ball. Okay, that's gonna do it for the podcast. Uh. Pay attention to the drafts. Let's see where our Hokies go this upcoming week. Let's root for, you know, four to five guys to be taken. Now, the last time five guys were taken was in 2010. And the most guys we've ever had taken in the draft, I think, was 2006 when we had nine guys taken. That's not going to happen. But we could have as many as seven if you include Chuck Clark, who I think will be drafted, John McLaughlin, who has a chance but likely won't be drafted. But we could get five. If you think Bucky Ford, Evans, Rogers, Chuck Clark, yeah, and we we, we Woody Barron, that's the one I'm forgetting. Because I I think Woody will get drafted too. I hope he does. I think he should. I think he has the talent too. I didn't mention Kenneth Canham, but that's because I didn't see him on any of the uh, projections for the draft, unfortunately. But yeah, Bucky, Isaiah, Evans, Rogers, Chuck Clark, that would be five. If Woody gets drafted, that would be six. And that would be our best class since 2008 if that were to happen. Even if it's five, it's the best since 2010. As always, you can hit us on Twitter. It's 2DeepVT. 
It's uh, 2DVT at gmail.com if you want to email us any questions or, or any concerns or comments on the podcast. And as we said in the beginning, write us a review on iTunes if you have the time. And uh, one star, five stars, we'll take anything. As for our next podcast, we'll be coming back in the summer at the very latest with uh, matchup previews for next year where we'll we'll probably do half the season in one pod and half the season in the other. We'll go over the teams and just a quick overview, kind of like we did with WVU today. But until then, go Hokies. <laughs>